Hi, welcome to Red Cloaks Radio, where we are actually in extra innings. We've been counting down in Massachusetts to see if the state legislature would pass the Roe Act by the end of the formal session. They didn't pass it at the end of last week, but we've gone into extra innings as the session continues. And we've got some exciting guests today. Joining me as a co-host is... Karen from the Red Cloaks. And also... I'm Linda Vieira from Indivisible Acton. And it is my pleasure to introduce our guests today, Christina Eckert, who is running for representative for the second Essex district, which includes Boxford, Georgetown, Groveland, Haverhill, Merrimack, Newberry, and West Newberry. And we are also joined by her campaign manager, Josh Laramie. Welcome, Christina. Thank and you. Thank you for having me. So this is the first time I've actually met you uh, in person, so to speak. Um, we had a really nice exchange on Facebook. I posted something about the ROAC to call your representative and tell them that you want to have the ROAC pass and you support a woman's right to choose. And you replied, and when somebody replies or likes my post, I usually follow up and contact them because if somebody's going to like my post, that means that they're interested in something. And I was very impressed that you responded, and we had a lovely exchange, and you told me you were running for state representative. This is your second time challenging Lenny Merritt. He's been in office since 2012. He's a Republican, and I was very impressed that you were determined to run a second time. The first time you ran, you lost by 324 votes, which really impresses me that you said, I'm going to do this again. What made you decide to run again or the first time? <laughs> There's a lot that goes into what made me run the first time. Um, there were a lot of issues in 2018 that uh, we wanted to address. I actually crunched the numbers and felt like we were in a good position to possibly flip the seat. We came close, 324 votes, so 23,000 votes were cast in my district. So it was a pretty close margin. But the decision to run again had to do with the belief that we can bridge that gap of 324 votes. I do think the turnout's gonna be very high in this election because it's also a presidential election. The fact that the issues that we wanted to address in 2018 are still there, that includes a whole wide variety of issues including the Roe Act, which we've talked about today, but other issues where uh, the person I'm running against has sort of dragged his feet on supporting. I feel like it is time to make progress. That's what being progressive is about. We, it's time to move forward and it's time to get some of these bills passed so that we can basically make the Commonwealth better for ourselves, and but, but mostly for our children. That's, that's where my um, concern comes in. Because we're in literally extra innings, they've extended this session. We understand that they need to pass the budget. Honestly, I'm grateful that they decided to include whatever other legislative work needed to happen. And they didn't take what I think would be an easy route out, which would have been to say, we'll only do the budget. And instead, they are, in fact, going to address legislation. However, we're understanding so much better that the hearing for the Roe Act was last June. And they had from June all the way up until COVID happened, yet with inaction. And you're talking about some other issues that mattered to you that didn't move forward with the current person in that seat. What are one or two of the other issues where you feel like there should have been action taken? There are a number of issues. Even now, as the session is in recess uh, till September, they're still trying to reconcile the racial justice bill 
which is such an important piece of legislation, even though it's there's definitely been some changes to it with amendments, the conference committee is reconciling it. I do hope that it can be reconciled and passed with a high enough majority to avoid a veto. The person I'm running against voted against it, voted against every positive amendment. That's one bill that, that uh, I would like to see passed. How do you feel about the Roe Act and about being able to discuss reproductive health care out loud in front of constituents? Yeah, well, I have three teenage boys. I try to put myself in the thoughts of their generation. So if I'm a, you know, a teenage girl or a teenage boy and I'm facing an issue like, for example, an unwanted pregnancy, I'm not going to put my own value system on, on that. I'm thinking how the teenagers feel. Teenagers in these situations need to have choices. I can't apply my choices to these teenagers. I can't apply my situation to them because theirs is different. Ultimately, to me, what it comes down to is the choice between a woman and her medical professional. And no one else should apply their value judgments to that. If you boil it all down to that and take away all the different scenarios, it's down to let a woman and her medical professional make that choice. If I had a teenage girl who were in that situation, of course, as a parent, I'd want to know what she was going through and I'd want to help her through it. But ultimately, I would want her to be able to access help with a medical professional, whether I'm involved or not. And I think that's the important thing is to have young people have access to health care without the judgmental interference of outside forces. I think that Roax is very simple in that way, distilling it down to this is what it comes to. It's the choice between a woman and her medical professional. You know, that's one part of it. And, and with the teenage boys, and, and another part of it is the Healthy Youth Act that offers medically accurate sexual education in, in schools. These are things that are not easy to talk about, even in a family where you are enlightened, where you are open. We gather around the dinner table every night. It's not easy for anyone to talk about this. And if the school can provide a basic scientific education, then we're all better off for that. My children are better off. I'm better off. When my kids had education in fifth grade, they stopped at a certain point. They, they didn't make, the, make connections that are real. And so I still had to explain further to my kids to uh, because they had made up some things in their heads that were not real and uh so i had to explain things and it happened that my husband was out of town so i had to do it and um it was not easy so i think if you start with a basic scientific education in school then the kids are better off they will actually learn the actual science part of it and the parents then can continue the conversation from there I, as a parent, would, would have been grateful if they had more, a more complete education. It is so interesting that we teach about how butterflies become butterflies after being caterpillars, but people get so uncomfortable talking about the human body, and yet all the humans have the human body. It's really a learned stigma. Interestingly, we have to lean on legislators to help un, undo that stigma, to make sure that people know how to take care of themselves. You're right, people fill in the gaps, especially children. If someone doesn't actually tell them how something works, they kind of make it up. So. Yeah, 
not the best position to be in as they enter puberty and end up having their first sexual experiences and can end up pregnant and not not understanding what what's going on right and with the row act um about in i think one of the things that is holding it up and started holding it up in 2019 what you know stopped the momentum was when the republican party had a series of ads accusing the different legislators who had co-sponsored it of infanticide and i just think that's so shameful to have ads like that and people believe that people believe that it was about there were stories that passed about killing babies after they were born and just all these awful things that they were accusing people of and I did go to my legislator and said, look, this is your party that's doing these ads. You need to talk to them and ask them to stop. This is unacceptable. And uh, he sort of expressed horror and then did nothing. Allowing all these really good people to be accused of a terrible crime and a misleading ad disinformation program. I think that's one of the things that slowed it down. And you know, nobody likes to be accused of infanticide that's a hurdle that we have to get over. It's interesting because that technique, there's two things. One is it becomes bullying because legislators become afraid that they're going to be called names. Very much taking us back again to playground dynamics where people make fun of one kid and the other one won't stand up for the truth of what really happened. The other thing it aligns with is what's happening nationally with the Republican Party and what is a disinformation campaign that we are all seeing. It's, it becomes very difficult for very rational, intelligent, critical thinking type people to sometimes discern what is really going on. And I appreciate your bringing that up. You're running against someone who's held the seat for a while. How does it feel to you from where you are about the strength of the Republican Party? You've covered a lot of towns. Can you run through that? You have how many towns again? Multiple towns. There, there are seven towns. Boxford, um, which is where I live, Georgetown, Groveland, Newbury, West Newbury, Merrimack, and two precincts of Haverhill. Is there a Democratic and Republican town committee in each town? Is there a regional group? How does that work? Well, we, have, we do have Democratic town committees in each town. I can't say whether there are Republican town committees in each town. I know there are some. But we have very strong Democratic town committees in each town. And they're really wonderful. When I started in 2018, I, I had no idea what I was doing. And the first thing I did was contact that. I contacted the DTC in Boxford, and they put me in touch with all the DTCs in the district. And I went and met uh, people in each, I went to each meeting in each town. And, and they're wonderful people. And I, I still go every month. And I even went after I lost, I still go to all the DTC meetings in every town because they're just wonderful people. And they're the structure on which we built our campaign. We uh, work with them and they're the first volunteers who signed up for our campaign. And, and so we work together to, to reach out to other people in the town and you know, spread the word. I'm looking at you, Josh, and I wanna bring you in as campaign manager. I'm really interested in what it's like campaigning during COVID. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an adjustment. Um, so in 2018, you know, we really focused on face-to-face -face voter interactions, having a personal touch. And then I went up to work in New Hampshire for the Cory Booker presidential campaign and sort of the same methodology. We, we really wanted to have everybody that we spoke to feel like they had a, a really personalized conversation about the candidate. So going back to you know, joining Christina's campaign again, I felt like there was definitely uh, a learning process of moving towards, you know, basically using Zoom for all of our meetings. So, you know, what we've been kind of doing, we've really been focused on phone banking. So we call to, to people in the district and we talk to them about Christina. 
So that's one way that we've been reaching people, something that's kind of conventional. We also have really focused in on using social media to get our message out. Uh, and we rely on our volunteers to help amplify that message by liking and sharing our content. And also we really have been leaning in on relational organizing, which I think is something that's underutilized in a lot of campaigns. I think word of mouth is a very important thing. And what uh, relational organizing does is pretty much formalizes something that has already existed for quite some time. I feel like there's definitely strengths and weaknesses to doing an online program, but we have seen significantly more people actually come to our events, which I think is really interesting because people can just call in from home. In the next couple of months, we're again going to really focus in on social media. We have a good mail program ready to go. And also we're starting to do lit drops where we're going to be leaving literature at people's doors without doing door knocking because of, you know, wanting to maintain social distancing. So those are kind of the strategies that we've been working on. It definitely has been an adjustment, but I think that as Christina alluded to, our democratic town committees that we work with and our volunteers, they've been instrumental in us being able to create the foundation that we need to run a good campaign. And that allowed us to really shift relatively seamlessly towards doing a, an online version. It seems like it's an advantage to have run before because you've stayed totally engaged. So now you've gone through it once and you've been going to all the meetings, you're following what's happening in the state house. I do feel like I'm staying on top of things more. And part of that is that friends of mine got elected in 2018. And so I follow, I follow them on social media and sometimes I'll, I'll actually email them and say, hey, what's going on with this? And they'll email me back with some explanations. I did the Emerge candidate training. I don't know if you're familiar with that, with they train women candidates. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, when I did the Emerge training, one of my fellow trainees was Liz Miranda. And she just got the maternal health bill passed. And I'm so excited for her because to do that as a freshman, is so, it's just so exciting. And it's, and it's going to make a difference. It gives me hope and it gives me momentum. If a freshman can get that done, then we can get something done when we're, when, you know, when we're elected. Part of me wants to get elected to be her wingman and, and help her further legislation. So, um, and then that's, I think, a big part of women getting elected is we want to help each other and work together to pass legislation that's going to help other women. It's part of our identity. It's part of our DNA. Someone joked with us that there are fewer women than there are people named Mike. So, I mean, in the state house, representing constituents in the Commonwealth. It's interesting you mentioned other other people that you went through Emerge with. No one's really chatted that much about Emerge. I'm familiar that it's a program to help support people who are running, but can you tell us just a little bit about it from your perspective? Well, Emerge was essential for me because I, like I said, I was new to the process. I hadn't planned on running. I decided, or I was thinking about it in, in February of 2018. So that's actually late to get into the process of thinking about running. I did the boot camp. They have multiple programs. I did a weekend long boot camp um, in March of 2018. My, we call them sisters, my fellow Emerge sisters, Liz Miranda, Rachel Rollins, who became the DA of Suffolk County, Katie Toomey, who's the Register of Deeds out in Worcester, and uh, a number of other um, women. Uh, Katie McBride didn't win her, he ran for state Senate, didn't win, but she was endorsed by President Obama. We're still close. I, you know, I. I talk to all of my Emerge sisters when we when I was running again, and they're all very supportive. And it's an opportunity to learn and to, to sort of create our own network of not just legislatures, because we have, uh, you know, dis district attorney, register of deeds. And it's, it's a really intense training. I mean, they don't mince words. 
they come and tell you how much work it's going to be, how much money you have to raise, how much um, you know, planning you have to do, the staff you're gonna have to hire. They're, they're, you know, I remember in 2018, they're telling me about knocking on doors. And I, I, it, I'm not really the most outgoing person in the world. So the idea of going up to strangers and knocking on their doors was, do I really have to do that? And it turns out, yes, you do. And at least in 2018, we did. Obviously, we can't do it now. And here's the thing. I loved knocking on doors. And um, I loved live, meeting people where they lived and asking them about what mattered to them. I learned so much about issues and what mattered to people. Different, very, again, very different from my own set of thinking. So it added a bunch of issues to, um, to consider. And uh, I, now that I can't knock on doors in 2018, I, you know, we've, we've talked about it. Could we, real, could we try? I don't think that people want to see strangers at their door. I just I don't think they do. But I do, I will miss, um, I will miss, <laughs> I, I, I drive down streets now like, oh, I wish, I remember knocking on that door. I wish I could go knock on that door again and say hi to those people. But, um, you know, and I miss learning from people about the issues that matter to them. I am phone banking and calling people and I love when they pick up and we have a conversation and they tell me what matters. And what came out of 2018 is that, um, you know, there were issues that I didn't realize here in Essex County with um, seniors who were worried about losing their homes because they could no longer keep up paying the property taxes, you know? And so senior housing insecurity became an issue that I started looking into. And even after I lost the election, I joined the board of the Council on Aging here in town. And uh, I've actually been working on um, raising funds to uh, build a new senior center here in Boxford. And, uh, and during COVID times, we've um, you know sort of shifted our focus to just making sure people have food. And um, we uh, go grocery shopping every Tuesday morning, or we were going grocery shopping every Tuesday morning for three months for seniors in Boxford. And, um, and, and also I've been distributing masks with a group called the Merrimack Valley Hope Mission and uh, making sure seniors and people who are vulnerable have masks, uh, face masks. And um, you know, all of this comes from learning what matters to people at the doors, like learning what, what's important to them. And now it's not at the doors, it's via the phone. <laughs> which I, I didn't love phone banking in 2018, but it's the only way to reach out to people now. So uh, when I had, like I said, when I have a good conversation, I had three or four of them yesterday, um, it, it makes my day. I love talking to people and finding out what matters to them. More people are home now. And I think there are a lot of people who are home and lonely and they might actually answer the phone and appreciate that someone is checking on them. It's yeah. an opportunity where they can't get out. We find that red cloaks really are about outdoor visual art, inspired imagery to communicate around issues that are important for women in particular, people of all genders, though, when it's attached to reproductive justice. We can't go to the state house the same way. We can't stay safe and gather and do our thing. So we also have had to shift. Josh, I'm really interested when you talked about shifting into Zoom land. What do you notice in terms of demographics? Are you engaging people of all ages? Do you have mostly seniors volunteering? Do you have youth volunteering, what, what does it look like? Thank you so much for asking that. You know, I think obviously this is the most important election of my lifetime. And you know, even some of the seniors that I've spoken to have said the same thing. 
what we've really tried to do is to reach out to younger folks in, in, uh, in the district and learn about the issues that matter the most to them. So we were actually able to start a fellowship program where we were able to bring on 10 interns who helped us with our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter pages. Uh, they've also really been helpful in uh, creating our website. And Christine and I have really been leaning on them to help us learn about the issues. So I think that this has been one of the major strengths to our campaign is being able to engage young folks in the election process. And I feel like this is something that will really help us, you know, on, on a macro level, because I think that voter turnout is really going to determine what the election is going to be like, you know, all the way from state rep all the way up to president. I think that, you know, our fellowship program is something that's a major strength that we added to our 2020 campaign. And if I could just add that the young people have brought so much to this campaign, they told us that issues matter to them. They don't want a song and dance. They want to talk about the issues. So we have adjusted accordingly. We've had a number of issue-related Zoom meetings, and uh, we'll, we're going to schedule some more. Engaging young people in the process, again, I have, I have a 19-year-old and a 20-year-old who are in college, hopefully. They voted absentee in March. Ideally, they'll be voting absentee in November, although we, we don't know where, where people are going to be. We've engaged in, in a robust program to have educate people about absentee or, or now mail-in voting. Uh, so that everybody gets their vote in in time for the election, specifically the general election, but of course the uh, the primaries coming up now on September 1st, and, and ballots have already come in the mail for that. You mentioned um, social media, Christina, that you do a lot on social media. Do you have uh, people that you like to follow on social media? I mentioned that um, I had a couple friends who were elected, and so I, I follow them. Uh, one is Representative Trom Wen who's the 18th Essex district. We actually share Boxford. She, she represents part of Boxford. I actually run into her quite a bit here in town. And uh, she's, she's 20 years younger than me, but so smart and so on top of the issues that we'll be emailing each other at 11 o'clock at night. What's going on with this? What's going on with that? She's just wonderful. So I, I follow her and I follow Representative Christina Minicucci, who's from North Andover. Not sure the number Essex, but it's next door. Since we ran side by side in 2018, we call each other the other Christina. And, uh, you know, I follow her posts about issues she just posted the other day about suspending MCAS, which I think is a, is a huge important issue that I, I hope does get passed. So that, so that the, um, among everything else that schools have to worry about in the next year, that they don't have to worry about, you know, the MCAS. Those are two people that have been hugely helpful to follow for me. Christina, you make a, a lot of use of social media. What is your website uh, so we can follow up with you? and check it out. It's eckertforrep.com and that's E-C-K-E-R-T-F-O-R-R-E-P.com. I'm excited by the website, but I, it's really Josh and the fellows who have made it beautiful. It's, <laughs> it's a wonderful website this year. It has a lot of information. The priority section talks about where I stand on issues. We're excited to have an endorsement section. We've been endorsed by Planned Parenthood. Christina, it's been extremely helpful to hear from you today. I think our view collectively as the Red Cloaks has come to be that we need new people in the State House in order to achieve our vision for what would be best for people to thrive in the Commonwealth. So thanks so much for being here today and for stepping up to run. Thanks for having me. Thank you and, so much. For your good work. Well, thank you. It's great to meet you both. And I wish you a lot of luck. Uh, I wish I could vote for you. It's me too, Christine. I'm so glad that you replied to my post on Facebook.
that was great. And it's lovely to meet you in, per in person, so to speak. Someday. In person. <laughs> <laughs> Social media, hey, it, it, you can really form actual relationships through it. Who knew? We've got Red Cloaks out in your area and we know they're listening. So thanks again. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.